Hey everybody, Jason here. Just wanted to let you know that we had a couple audio issues on this episode. It shouldn't be too glaring, but there's going to be a couple times that uh, I think Fran's track specifically is a little bit garbled, so apologies for that. We will have it fixed for the next episode, and thank you so much for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to Use Your Items, a video game podcast and blog. I'm your host, Jason, and with me is my wonderful and effervescent co-host, Francisco Martin. Francisco, how are you doing today? I am so great. Seeing you and giving that uh, that talk, that introduction, really fills me up with determination. <laughs> oh no, we're already starting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I am I am full of determination, the juice that keeps me alive. I yeah, I there without I guess much ado about anything. Yeah, we're talking about Undertale today. A fan favorite of cult hit? Is it a cult hit? I don't really I don't know if it's a cult hit. I would anymore. call it a cult a cult classic. I will definitely. I don't think I think I think the memes have made Undertale more popular seem more widespread than it actually is i feel like interesting though i say that but at the same time sans is in super smash so maybe what? i'm wrong did you not know that sans is in smash but what do you mean kinda. sans is in smash sans is you, he is this trophy no he is uh you one of your me fighters the full costume is sans so you can play a sans on smash but it's just a me fighter Oh my god, they did a that's crazy. Yeah, they did a lot of that for a bunch of different games where they're like, oh, we don't want to create a full new character, but we still want to have this character appear in our game. Uh, okay, how about just a cosmetic? Just a Sans cosmetic. You have a full Sans costume that you can play in Smash Ultimate. That's really wild. Yeah. I, guess, I guess I do remember seeing that now that you mention it. <laughs> you thought it was mm. a meme. As as everything with Undertale, everybody thinks it's a meme first before before. <laughs> all right, all right. So I I feel I feel unbelievably out of the loop with this game. I talked to a couple friends about it this week, letting them know that I played it. I did binge the game, so I beat it all last night. I stayed up to finish uh, two endings, and I have never played the game before. I swear to God, I don't know what these memes that people talk about are. I I I. I legitimately have never felt more under a rock <laughs> than I do with this because I just, I, I don't even really remember my, my experience when this game, maybe, maybe it's better if we talk about our relationship with the game because sure. I just, I just don't, I, I really am very curious. So, so how'd you come across Undertale? What were your thoughts when? I told you let's let's do something shorter let's do undertale i was actually pretty darn excited undertale is one of those games that i have picked up and played for quite a bit i think spoilers i guess i i think i've played this twice before up to defeating undyne and stopped playing and it's not because i didn't like it it's just, I don't know what happened. I either life happened or it didn't catch my attention as much. But I do enjoy, like remember having good positive feelings about the game. It was one of those things where I'm like, someday I'll go back and, and play it and finish it. 
So having this opportunity to have a deadline essentially and forcing me to finish it was a very exciting prospect for me. Okay, nice. That's that's great actually. I'm glad to hear that you were you had such high hopes coming into the game. I know that from the the message you sent me earlier this week that maybe that didn't go exactly as planned. Yeah, unfortunately. Interesting. So what what about it as a developer stood out to you? Just <laughs> what getting getting into it. Oh my goodness. If we want to talk about it from a developer standpoint, uh the biggest thing the thing that hits you like a brick is the how little quality of life the settings this game has for a sold released product i'm right. actually kind of baffled that this game, it doesn't allow you to choose your the size of your screen it doesn't like it forces you to you have know, you, can screen it, you can you? full screen or not full screen it you essentially that's yeah. that's all you get you can't choose windowed but bigger right like yeah i i agree the accessibility settings were something i we talked about as soon as i loaded yeah. the game up i i ran into this so i ended up playing the game on my steam deck mm -hmm. and it was phenomenal that makes sense that makes a lot of sense for me it was not phenomenal from a if i put it on full screen and i ever had to click off it for any reason it jittered my whole computer because as you know with uh, full screen games whenever you click off it it kind of like and like it resets yeah. everything every single time i did that it did that but i couldn't play it in window mode because window mode is like 640p it's like tiny it's so small and you're on an ultra wide too right not right now i'm right now i am on a laptop so but it is mm -hmm. it takes maybe a quarter of my real estate on my screen it's it's tiny it just is pretty pretty annoying from, from i from think my... that's very reasonable and it's uh, i had the same issue too with key bindings mostly yes that's the other thing key bindings yeah the fact that there's no key bindings like there's no settings mm -hmm. whatsoever when you go there there aren't there's not a colorblind mode there is not a text size mode mm -hmm there uh there's there it is so bare bones yeah. and i understand it was a crowdfunded game in 2013 i don't but... i don't 100% think that that's that's a valid excuse i personally feel like i've played flash games that had more key binding and quality <laughs> settings that were free right i yeah and i think that's i think that's reasonable too i i certainly think that given the popularity and the success of undertale mm. that it's not unreasonable to think that toby fox and the people that he works with mm. could just add an update later yeah. on down the line i understand again maybe i'm too kind mm -hmm. in thinking that because it was 2015 like there's some reason that they can't do it but at the same time i i don't know i've i've played rom hacks or you know fan patched versions of star wars knights of the old republic that run in you know super duper ultra wide mm -hmm. with like ai upscaled like res like i i just feel like if we can 
if we can do some of these things we can we can add key yeah. binding settings yeah. <laughs> yeah, for those of us that don't have an arrow cluster so that's my major concern that's my major frustration i cannot play it on my computer because i don't have an arrow cluster natively on my keyboard and that makes it impossible to play the game because i only have access to an arrow cluster on a layer yeah which that layer doesn't have the letter keys well, on that's it. where you go into the undertale layer you have to you have to open up uh deer z yeah. i forgot the name of the i'll open up via and then i'll go in and i will rebind an entire new layer of my keyboard specifically to play undertale while i hold down a key the entire time no it's just <laughs> it, it's it's in a way so simple and it's a game that i think is trying to limit the ways in which you can tweak and mm -hmm. play with it on a, from a settings level yeah because the nature of its of its gameplay the nature of it physically and in many ways emotionally being a game is so 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 important to the ludo narrative experience of playing undertale yeah because the more the game becomes a program that you can tweak and play with and you can add and you can change these settings and things like that. I think uh, it changes how how you the player feel about the game and how you can relate to the game. And I will do a spoiler because I have a lot to. Uh, there's a direct spoiler for that with with uh, my take on the game, <laughs> but I think yeah, my my relationship with Undertale is like i said i felt like i was under a rock yeah i knew it was super popular i had some friends who played it i told a couple of my friends like the very very first day that i started playing and i started playing it over the weekend and they were like oh my god i love undertale it's so exciting i was like yeah i mean it seems fine it seems like an rpg like i really didn't feel badly or strongly about mm -hmm. it on my first blush like on my first hour of play i thought it was extremely quirky Mm -hmm. and the quirkiness of it was just part and parcel with its with its relationship to earthbound yeah and mother three right where toby fox used to make rom hacks of earthbound and was hugely inspired by earthbound the game's direct influence is earthbound and that is a game that is traditionally known to be really quirky and a game that is also directly in reply and in conversation to dragon quest yeah so i just think that it's something that i have more of a, i had more of a relationship with earthbound coming into this mm -hmm. so my first experience was like this is quirky this is fun i was telling i was telling my buddy brian it's kind of it's kind of like the zoe de chanel effect and mm. that <laughs> if you watch too much zoe de chanel content back to back to back to back to back it suddenly becomes like it all has one very distinct flavor in my opinion she has a very distinct uh, acting style she is often i think typecast into certain things if you watch a lot of new girl and then you go and watch 500 days of summer or something like that and you kind of get this like you know manic pixie dream girl aesthetic yeah. i'm not trying to rag on on zoe de chanel here but that that style of humor that tongue-in-cheek partially self-aware fourth wall breaking humor mm -hmm. is something that really works to undertale's success yeah 
but until you're fully bought in, I do feel like it can be a little, it can be a little much, like it can be a little too much candy before mm-hmm. your dinner. I do agree that it is a little bit of a, not an acquired taste, but I f- feel very strongly that this is one of those games that you only need to give it two hours. If okay. you're not hooked by two hours, then just stop. It's not going to get, it's not, <laughs> I mean, you could beat the game in another 30 minutes, depending on how you're playing it though. Uh, I told, I told Jason right before we recorded that it took me around four and a half hours to beat the game. And there is a very specific, a specific reason as to why. That's just um, insane. So it took me nine and a half hours to beat this game. And the vast majority of it was done from 6 30 PM last night until about four o'clock in the morning this morning. God. I stayed up and it didn't and it stopped hurting after maybe 8 p.m. So <laughs> it's let's well, let's get into it. Let's sort of let, let's do a little spoiler marker here. So if you don't want Undertale spoilers moving forward, this is a good place to hop off. Thank you for joining us. Come back when you play the game or you feel ready to not have it spoiled. If that's the case, I know it's a really important game to lot of people out there and i certainly don't want to ruin the experience it is a game that if you're interested if you do kind of get it gets its hooks into you in that first hour two hours mm. it's a really rewarding experience yeah, to play through exactly it definitely is not it's not like other video games in the way that it addresses its plot and narrative so mm-hmm. this is your this is your uh this is your station this is this is where you're getting off uh and we will see you uh we will see you at the end thanks for joining us so far so, Fran, <laughs> you beat the game in in what four hours? Four and a half hours. Uh, I so, think it's two sixty minutes. So that's one twenty. One twenty is two forty. So yes, four and a half hours. Okay. So we know that there's multiple endings to the mm-hmm. game. There's what ninety three is what they say. I think that's the number that I hear a lot. Sure. That there's ninety three endings to the game. <laughs> sure. And and I get it too. You know, it's one of those games where minute differences between endings dictates it being an ending this is the chrono trigger effect right Uh, there's there's 21 endings in chrono trigger but 11 of them are iterations on lavos killing you 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 chose the chocolate milk or the you know frappe at the end of the you're you're drinking a different drink at the very end wow that's crazy different ending right exactly there it's and that's fine. I, I appreciate that. Mm. I'm a huge Chrono Trigger fan and love that game to death. And I appreciate what it did. And, you know, that was playing with time travel mm-hmm. to achieve that effect. Whereas Undertale's not really playing with time travel to do that. So there's a couple ways to play the game. And it does beg the question, how does the game want you to play it? Yes, so, that is the key thing that I that's the problem. Uh, the problem interesting that's not i would not use that word it is okay tell me your experience so my let me explain to you how i played the game i guess to to explain how i got to this point set the scene my so the scene for me was essentially i was trying to enter it as a person who has barely heard anything about undertale and i'm just gonna play it as a normal rpg just gonna have fun with it which I think is the point of the game. The point of the game is to enter it as a, oh, I don't know. 
I didn't like I knew going in that a pacifist run was possible, but I'm right. gonna enter it thinking that I don't know if a pacifist run is possible. Maybe there are some enemies you just have to kill and stuff like that. So I entered into it uh, like that, and I quickly developed my flowchart, so to speak, uh, okay. of how I was going to enter combat. For me, the flowchart was as follows. Step one, is it easy or logically, can you figure out logically how to defeat this enemy without attacking them? So if okay. it's a dog, oh, pet the dog. Or if it's uh, if it's a tsundere plane, oh, I'm going to flirt with her. Or, or, yeah, it's, so it's great. I love much. it. So stuff like that. So so if there is a certain level of logic, this that's something that I need to talk about separately afterwards. That that doesn't... The reason that there's a flow chart there is because there's something, a mechanic of the game that I do not like. We will touch that later. Um, if that doesn't happen, start attacking. Once you start attacking, if the opportunity presents itself that you can give them mercy or escape or run or whatever, I will choose that unless they are one attack away from dying. If they've wasted <laughs> my time to the point, oh if they've God. attacked me, if they've brought me to one health, if they've de dealt so much damage to me that we're both at the doorstep of death, I'm not going to do the dumb MC thing of, oh, I finally defeated you, but I won't kill you. And then you turn your back and they shoot you. <laughs> like, oh my God. I'm not going to be that guy. So you have standards. I have you standards. Have, you have rules. I, I have rules. So that was my modus operandi. Every combat, I did that. I did that. I did that. Problem is, the way that the game, I think, expected you to at first fight Papyrus or Papyrus okay. is that I bet that 99% of the people either get captured by him. So in other words, you hit one HP and he says, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to capture you. Right. Or you get him down to one HP and he says, hmm, okay, let's not fight anymore. And you give mercy. I got him down to one HP. Oh, oh no! I have fifty percent health, and he said mercy, and I was like, "Nah, I have standards." And I killed off oh Papyrus. Oh my god! You killed Papyrus on your, but you you let. What'd you do with Toriel? That's the thing. Oh, what do you mean? Wait, that's oh no, the thing. What did I do with Toriel? I think I let Toriel live because Toriel was like much sooner was obvious that she wasn't attacking me. Like, I was just staying in one spot and the things would go around me. Like, right. if it was obvious that they were trying to, like, save me, then I wouldn't oh attack them. God. Papyrus wasn't letting up at any point. They were still attacking me and still damaging me and doing all these different things. So I'm like, okay, so you are trying to kill me. There's not, there's no point where my health was so low that he, would, that he was going, I'm not going to kill you except I didn't hit that spot. I had hit that spot before in my other playthroughs. Uh, this is the only playthrough out of the three in which I killed Papyrus. And I oh think, God. and that's the problem. What a gamer. What a gamer. The problem is, if you kill Papyrus, you get absolutely no more cutscenes throughout the whole game. The game is such a slog and so boring 
Really? You do not get any more... Sans does not show up ever again until the very end. Uh, Undyne, even if you save her with the water cup, uh, that's the last time you see Undyne. You don't get her date. You don't get any of that. Um, there's so much stuff that I remembered from my first and second playthrough that just did not happen at all. And I think it's because the game expects you that if you killed Papyrus, you're going through a genocide run. But I wasn't. I was going through a neutral run. And I got the neutral ending. Um, but it was hmm. such an unfortunate... The way that I, I've been really thinking about how to explain this feeling... It, and it feels like playing a sequel to a game or watching a sequel to a movie and being very disappointed in it. Except mm -hmm. in this case, the sequel is the same game. <laughs> like, oh, I feel man. so nostalgic for those first four hours that up to Undyne, the first two times I played it, going out on that date with Undyne, doing sand stuff and everything like that. Yeah. That once I noticed, like, once I was an hour three and I noticed that I had skipped all these cutscenes, I was like... Well, You're I'm gonna, literally just playing the game. There's I'm, no character interaction. No character interaction, no character development, no anything until the very end. At the very end, there's a very spooky scene where where um, where Sans asks you, oh, if you had the uh, power to save people, would you use it or whatever? And I was like, yes. And then his eyes turn black and it goes like very like, like, uh, very jump scary is us yeah why did you kill my brother and then the screen just goes black and you're like oh is this the megalovania type time and it's like oh no it's not he just leaves like you don't mm -hmm. even get megalovania if you kill his brother which i was like oh maybe i'll get to listen to that song and find sands it'll be fun so weird like you got such a unique i feel like you you found like this weird yes. middle of the road ending yes which and... is probably the worst one it i i bet that this is just the most boring I would, I don't know, genocide runs look extremely boring. Oh, really? And, yeah, so I think what you what you are, are bring us towards is the magic trick of the game, right? Of mm -hmm. how it forces you to play with it and how mm -hmm. it expects you to play with it and how it plays with this idea of, of games mm -hmm. and how we interact with their stories and i i can see why it would be so boring but it creates this scenario where you the player are killing characters or not killing characters you have some sort of you have an inner logic that you're following in your particular playthrough yeah and as you're as you're going through this game and you're finding the experience to be super boring but you're going through it anyway because you want to get to the end and you're making these choices and these decisions your actions are so reflective of what's actually happening in the world is that it's it that in and this is more obvious i think in a genocide run mm. where you you become so numb the act of doing it the act of playing the game has become so boring because you are no longer attached to any of these characters you aren't uh you aren't in many ways you're not even sort of in league with flowey right yeah the the trick in in a genocide run is that you become just like flowey yeah because you become empty and and you lack empathy and you've just it, it there's no point to it anymore and that's why and this is the reason i called it a a problem so to speak is because 
I only killed two bosses. The only bosses I killed was Papyrus and uh, the Mech uh, Metaton. I killed Metaton mm-hmm. because I, following my logic of if I can't logically figure out how to defeat you in a way that doesn't require... I don't know which actions I need to do to for you to show mercy or for me to spare you or anything like that. So I just killed them. Uh, even the last guy, even Flowey, I I ended up sparing and everything because I was like, yeah, well, yeah, the, the game ended by this point. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. So yeah, sure, spare. You did Papyrus so dirty. Yeah, and I honestly, and the reason I, sorry, I keep calling it a problem, never explaining why I call it a problem is that as a developer, they're, one of the basic tenets of when you're designing a game is choosing your players and deciding kind of like your flavors and what play styles will invite different types of players and playing to those to those strengths. And I know that this is very much me saying, oh, I wish there was even more like diverging paths and more story. But I'm so disappointed that there was no conversations with Sans until the very end about, about oh, where did Papyrus go? Or something like that. Undyne just never mentions Papyrus ever again or anything like that. And that's something I kind of expected. And I think this is just me knowing that there were 93 different endings. I kind of expected the game to have a you kill papyrus and feel sorry for killing papyrus and therefore there is some different ending of like oh you kill papyrus but then on you don't kill anybody that i thought would be and it just did not exist and for me that seems like such a given that papyrus is like the big papyrus is like the big first boss toriel is a boss but toriel is kind of like the tutorial boss you know it's kind of doesn't really count as much for me personally yeah toriel toriel is interesting as a as the in the idea that she is a tutorial boss Mm. specifically in the space that if you kill her Mm. and you start the the you potentially start the beginnings of a pretty tragic run Mm. and you go to restart the game that's that's like the gotcha moment for the vast majority of players as i understand it is you go through the beginning and you kill a bunch of stuff but you're just like moving through the game you kill a frog when you see a frog because i'm playing an rpg and that's what i do and everything's kind of weird and funny and then you get to toriel and toriel says no i'm not letting you leave and you kill toriel and then you feel really bad because she's like really sad and then flowey makes you feel like shit and you say yeah fuck it and then you turn the game off you start a new game as I understand it, the game the game clips a save state of what you had done, mm. and then Flowey starts taunting you from the very beginning. Yeah, uh, in in his own way, in their own way, for you know, uh, for for you being unable to commit. Yeah, and <laughs> thinking that you can just reset time, you can just reset the timelines, which is something that you mentioned uh, that you were saying. Oh, but this game doesn't have time travel. But it actually does kind of have time travel. In it, that it kind you, of does. You and uh, Flowey have the power of reset, is I think what the internet calls it. Essentially the power to just go back to a previous uh, save state and remember yeah. what happens from save state to save state. 
Yes. So as I, I watched a really, really great video last night that helped me sort of organize some of my thoughts about about this, I would highly recommend it to anyone. Let me see if I can. I think it was Distorted Timelines. Let me see if I can find it. It's Tangled Realities mm -hmm. by Andrew Cunningham. Fantastic video. Great creator. Definitely suggest it. And Andrew brings up this idea that uh, that Flowey and the player character, you, mm. have the power of determination. And the power of determination is quite literally the ability to make a save yeah. and to load a save in the game. And so you and Flowey both exist within the game space of I'm in the game, I'm playing the game, I have to be a part of it, and Flowey's a part of it, but you can both step outside of the game and create new saves you can load stuff you can do a reset whatever you need to do and their thesis uh lead, leads towards the the ways in which you become more and more like flowey mm -hmm. the more you play the game if you play the game as intended as as rpgs are often intended where wow i love this i'm gonna play this so many times now i'm gonna do a fun run where i kill everybody it's like well, you're doing that because you don't care about it anymore yeah. in a way that you care so much about it that it's now sort of wrapped back around that now it's just now it is a game to you. So mm -hmm. it does this it, it does this metafictive uh, magic trick where you're you're in the game, you've suspended your disbelief. So you want to keep everybody alive, but you now you love the game and you've done it so much that you say, oh, I want to play it in a different way. Well, it's not a game anymore, mm. except that it is a game because Flowey recognizes that you see it as a game mm. and you you kind of just keep getting incepted down and down because you're either play you're either with Flowey and following their their same problem of they've become detached from the world, in their case because they no longer have a physical corporeal body and their soul is trapped in in something that can't feel, mm. or in the case of the player, uh these characters that you fall in love with arguably arguably unfortunately arguably, uh unless are, you kill papyrus unless you kill papyrus these characters that you that you find so quirky or interesting uh they they just become toys they just become playthings. Mm -hmm. I, I mean andrew cunningham's video is great i definitely recommend digging into that a little bit that's, more but that's interesting that he says that you have this power because i kind of feel like at some point, yeah, I can kind of agree with that. But at the other point, I can also uh, just play a devil's advocate of if that was the point to give you that power, then why do you only have one safe state? Like, why can't you just go back and and you continue saving, you save, save, save. But whenever you load, it shows you every single save you've had in throughout the whole game yeah and you can go to other like you can and then it remembers to when you go to a different one maybe kind of like a chess with 5d dimensional time and yeah i've like played that. that type of game like i i see i see your argument maybe I see it's the too point. difficult to develop well definitely it would be very difficult to i don't develop. i don't even think that like that 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 almost gives me like um what's that game super hot where like you can mm -hmm. like zoom in and rewind and like and like do all those cool like stylish action movie things but i i think the game is it is a video game and it is it is hyper aware that it is a video game that is meant to be played and that's what allows it to do this magic trick so not allowing you to choose between save states or or manipulate things like that i think in a game that's as short as this mm -hmm. is is pretty reasonable Four and a half especially hours, right? 
I'm sorry. Four and a half hours, right? Right. I mean, so I I was watching uh I was watching a genocide run just to understand what happens in that in that playthrough and the ways in the ways in which the game really really fucks with you when you when you make those choices and that playthrough is two hours and forty minutes long. Mm. Uh, the YouTube video is two hours and forty minutes long, and there's a lot of sped up moments in there. Oh, okay. so it's probably maybe three three and a half hours. I I mean, I I have to say I just think that the way the way in which the game asks you the player to to interact with with the metafiction mm. of Undertale which as is- the player is is a really incredible feat it's not it's not an easy thing i think yeah to do metafiction in a way that is is easy to digest Mm -hmm. and in it is what am i trying to say to do metafiction in a way that is popular or enjoyable for many many people well what a great segue to (laughs) my second one of another issue that I had with the game. So, I'm four hours in, four and 15, fighting Asgore, fighting Flowey. And, uh, the nos- is it possible to have nostalgia for a game that you didn't even finish before? <laughs> like, the nostalgia. Oh, wow. That's, a, the that's no- a deep, That that's a really good, oh my god, we're gonna go way the, off track. That's, the nos- keep going. The nostalgia I had for those first two half playthroughs and knowing that there's so many different endings and and honestly so one of my favorite times in anime is whenever they bring the op remixed as the final battle music at the end of the series um, right the best example of this gurren lagan bring in roro fight the power liberame from hell merging those yeah. together and it's like oh my hairs are getting are standing on right now incredible light motif incredible light motif god damn like i wish this was recorded so you could see my my uh goosebumps goosebumps um i i i loved gurren lagan so and i had a rational experience in undertale where i was if i was invested in this I would have felt exactly the same and I would still have goosebumps. And it is when you die to Flowey and the text in bold letters shows up, stay determined. And I was like, God dang it. I wish I was, I was invested. I I wish I, 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 I had played that version where I'm trying to save my friends and I'm trying to whatever, but there's nobody here that wants me to succeed. There's nothing in this version of the story that I'm playing that that makes me want to fail like i want to stay determined i would have i honestly i would have probably stopped playing after after i realized and i would have stopped in the same place after i realized there's nothing more for me like i essentially will i'm gonna get less than from those other playthroughs i would have just stopped and not continued on playing but i can really i really do feel like that would have been a situation where i would have felt that and the reason I say that this is a good segue is because right when the game ended, I immediately felt, I want to replay this again. I want to replay it again <laughs> and play it correctly. The magic trick worked. The magic trick worked. However, and this is, I think, what we can talk about next, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And okay. the reason was, 
the reason that I'm assuming that that video for the genocide run has fast forward is the game is too slow. It is so slow to go from point A to point B. I just thought about like, if I restart this game, it's there's so much dead space moving from point A to point B and having to move there slowly, trying to get there. If this was an emulation where I could speed it up, maybe I would have played it again. <laughs> but it was so slow to get there, especially, and this is not even considering that I would have to go through a pacifist run. So destroying enemies or defeating enemies is even going to take longer. And finally, this is something you asked about how development and all these things. I personally, and this is a, an opinion, I think... The oh, combat no. an opinion the combat is a bit of a miss for me i sure. love combat turn-based combat that on your off turn asks something to do with you i love super mario super uh luigi mario and luigi superstar saga i love right. uh, uh not bravely defaults what is this game the uh child of Octopath. light i love child, child of, of light. light as well it's a popular one but I don't, I think, and I think the concept of this one where you're a heart, you're moving, it's kind of like a bullet hell type game and all these things. I am primed to love that type. Of, I love those types of games and those types of mechanics. But you right. move so slow and it is such a like, come on, can you just move fast? I didn't feel like I was ever in control of my heart. It felt like I was instead blowing on a piece of paper to uh, like move it from place to place it never felt like i was the heart i felt like come on move to the right move to the left and like it never felt satisfying i would have liked if the game was harder and the movement was better because i imagine that the movement the speed of the movement if you make it faster if you make it more snappy and inertia the game would be too easy okay fine put more bullets put more crazy stuff make me but make me feel like a badass it feels like a chore right now for me personally. And that is why I couldn't go back and replay it. I just went into, onto the wiki and YouTube to just watch videos. Cause I just was sure. like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend time replaying this. I don't want to. I do think that spending time on the wiki and on YouTube watching additional runs of this game is at this point, kind of a quintessential experience <laughs> yeah. because you have players <laughs> who certainly will never do a genocide run themselves. Yeah. I, I do wonder, did you try it to do another playthrough and no. then fall off? You didn't even try? I didn't even I, try. Just the memories of like, oh my god, I'm going to have to do the 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 fake puzzles that Toriel has for me. Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to... Yeah. I, the I beginning with Toriel I've been be talking a lot, so I want to give you some time to talk, but there is something else as well that was pushing me away from not doing it. Right. I think, okay, so I would say I feel like if you had tried it again, mm -hmm. you might you might be shocked or surprised by how quickly you can play through it when you know the answers to all the puzzles. You Why are you muted? No, I'm not muted. I, I whispered that's, that's oh. the problem. What puzzles are we talking about? Are we talking about the, the world puzzles? Yeah. I'm not talking about those puzzles. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the puzzles of figuring out how to ask for mercy or spare people. Oh, 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 yes. Which okay. is my you next You mean when you're problem. in the act menu. Yes, which is my next right. problem with the game. 
I love quirky jokes. I love Sans dad jokes. I like I the the jokes, the humor really jives with me. I like it. I it would if this you. was a show, I'd be jiving with it. If this was a, a comic book, I'd be jiving with it. It's uh I was talking this with my girlfriend and personally it's the lol xd so random humor and i like i i honestly do like that to a certain extent yeah. i i enjoy it i'm not saying that as direct i know a lot of people say that derogatorily like oh no. you're making fun of this type of humor no i really enjoy that type of humor the problem i have with that type of humor widowy widowy <laughs> first enemy is flog um flog it. the the problem i have with that humor is with that humor is affecting my is punishing me for not choosing the right random choice i didn't like i liked some of the enemies where i can kind of deduce and logic what i needed to do next to kind of spare them right but there were some of them where it was the option was like none of these options make any sense it is literally i need to literally need to do <laughs> trial and error to get these yeah. right i don't like law xd so random when it is implemented into the mechanics of the game in such a way that i'm gonna get punished if i don't choose the right one and by punishment the punishment isn't huge the punishment is you potentially can lose life because you're gonna get attacked or but bigger even bigger still it wastes your time it's more time that you need to take now for the game just to trial yeah. and error through it so while I, I, I love the idea of the act yeah. and i love the idea of a pacifist run i don't think the execution was right on all the monsters i don't like having to guess and try guess because some of them you can't you can't defeat by act some of them papyrus you don't defeat by using the act command you just need to attack them until they're down to one health or they attack you until you're down to so it doesn't it doesn't That's... <laughs> you you have to spare him you have to spare him after he's you don't tried use to the act you. menu you go yeah. to you go to spare and you just hit spare uh you just have to let the fight play out and eventually oh is that uh, another way of doing it if you just click spare over pretty, and over again i'm pretty sure yeah just like in the toriel fight although i think yeah i think that's what i did i don't really remember he caught me the first time and then i think i figured it out after that i i I see where you're coming from, and I I understand your I understand your perspective. I don't necessarily I really don't agree. I think that the the pass the pacifist playthrough is challenging, mm -hmm. and I think it's kind of weird. I I do kind of get a sense of of like the Miyazaki of it all, right? Where the game's asking you to play, and I'm talking Dark Souls. Oh, okay. maybe this is a random. I'm not talking about Studio. Yeah, uh, I was like Studio Ghibli. <laughs> uh, I, I'm talking about Dark Souls. So, in the sense that the game is asking you to is letting you play it in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. You can do this in Dark Souls, in Elden Ring, mm -hmm. in uh, maybe in everything, but Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro is kind of asking you to play it in one way. That being said. Undertale says you can play this in a few different ways. There's a lot. Of it. The game is interested in how you are going to play it and will respond to you in kind. Mm. And the challenge of figuring out how to do things in terms of pacifism was at sometimes I think a little frustrating. Mm. 
And I think that where it is maybe where where maybe it's bouncing off for you is that it doesn't have this treadmill effect of I've mastered some skills. Yeah. And I can apply those skills. Cause yeah. they, it, when you, when you say like XD random stuff, like it is just kind of like, what do you know about this character? What do you, what it, have they given you any clues or is it just, you died and you have to do it again. Yeah. And I totally understand. I can totally recognize that that's because, and to go a little bit about the Miyazaki and the dark souls and all these different games in those games, I feel like, yeah, there's a di- bunch of different play styles, and some play styles are harder, some play styles and all these different things. But at the end of the day, it's your skill. You can play the hardest version of the game, and it's up to you and your skill to, to rise up to that challenge. My problem, and they, this is just a me as a player, I don't find trial and error without any skill to be challenging. It's just boring for me personally. Like I can but all play... of those options give you more dialogue with the characters that are in the humor that you like, no? Sometimes. Sometimes, sure. no. Sometimes it's just, that was the wrong answer. Right, well, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Like The it's... dog picks up the stick. The dog puts down the stick. Yeah. The dog's very excited. It's, yeah, I, it's... I see what you're saying. There is, there's this level of, I wish in, in these other games, I am very into old school platformers and there is a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of, dang it, how was I supposed to know about that? But it always feels like it's on you for not having react. Like you could have dodged it. You could have, you, you can play it, just get to the next room, die immediately, memorize the room and then just put the input. So that way it's, you, you've memorized and you continue. Or you can play it as, okay, I'm in a new room. I'm going to quiet, like, look at the room, try to dodge everything. And there is some level of you can use skill to get through it. You don't just need to do trial and error. But over time, trial and error does help you. I don't feel like in a multiple choice environment, that is much of a, of a, very helpful. Maybe if there was more of... There's a few battles that during the you're getting attacked phase, you had to do something. Right, uh, right. If there were maybe more of those, so that way I feel like I'm getting challenged while I'm trying to figure out what's up with this person, this character, and everything like that, I would be more into it. But the fact that it is just a menu where I just select something and then I either am going to get to progress, which you don't know if you get to progress, you can assume if they feel happier and that that they that you are progressing, but there are some characters that that's not true. The spider boss, I paid her a lot of money because I was like, oh, this will like I have so much money. I bet that once you go bankrupt, she'll go feel sorry for you and spare you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I gave her all my money and she still kept on attacking me. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that, I guess never that was mind. A tough one. I, but I think the, that the game got you mm-hmm. to interact with this mini boss in a unique way sure. by saying, okay, like I, it, like I didn't think to do that at all. I just, I literally just used that ability to get her to, I would buy something to reduce her damage when I knew the, the spite, the pet was yeah. coming. Cause I always, I just like, I, I had a very hard, I had to do that boss a few times. I had a really difficult time with it for yeah. whatever reason. 
and that's just how I did it. And then eventually the spiders from the first level, from the very first bake sale that you bought a donut from, mm-hmm. call her and say, "Oh, they're cool. Never mind." And then the fight just ends, and she lets you go. And I, I, I do take your meaning, and I, and I see where you're coming from. Where it's, it is often the case that you don't know what to do in these menus, as opposed to it's very obvious how to attack. Mm-hmm. Right? You line the, you just line the bar up. Yeah. With the, with the hole in the middle of the, in the middle of the screen. I think that, for me personally what the game did was created this this completely alternate way to play that rewarded me by showing me a completely different side of the story mm-hmm. and at, unlike Elden Ring right where i can play with all my spirit ashes i can play heavy weapons i can play ranged i can play with ju- i can dual wield shields at the end of the day my interaction with that game is i swing something very large usually or very quickly and then the thing that I'm swinging it at dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I cast magic. It doesn't matter if I cast a thousand magic spells or I swing, you know, uh, a Game of Thrones sword at, uh, you know, at Godric a mm-hmm. hundred million times. If I've killed Godric a thousand times, at the end of the day, he dies. I get his soul and I move on. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, if I get to spare a stupid little bird in the snow if i spare snow drake and he keeps telling me stupid jokes like i would have never got that experience from doing the battle so there's this reward aspect of it to me of i i'm so interested in the characters and i'm so interested in what the game does and at times it's tedious and it can be a little boring i think that's the case too in i I, to me that's just kind of like that happens in games i i was not i was not super turned off by it i Recently, I've been playing like God of War Ragnarok. Mm. I think that game's combat is pretty boring sometimes, mm. and there's and it's so obviously laid out that I'm like, okay, this is a room where I have to do a fight. Yeah, and it's like I just like I I just like can we just move the story along yeah. until you give me another another wheel on my car that does something different, you know, until I get a new ability or power. And when Undertale lets me interact with these characters that I come to really appreciate and like, like they're just so weird and stupid and like derpy. And I guess I get, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I so loved my time with the game because it was, it it felt very unlike other games that I played. And my, my experience, my, my training in school, in grad school especially, was focused on a lot of like modernism and postmodernism literature. And postmodernism is when we really start to see metafiction kind of take off. Yeah. This is where the house of leaves of the worlds uh, reside. And this is where uh, there's a fantastic novel by um, Italo Calvino, uh, If on a Winter's Night a Traveler. And it's very much a story that is interested in how stories are told yeah. and how books are used to tell stories. And for me to have that experience in a game really drove home the 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 physicality mm-hmm. of playing a game, the physicality of spending this time in this place. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that's what makes Undertale so so heartwarming and so endearing is that it really peels back that layer of suspension of disbelief. It peels back that fourth wall 
and kind of invites you and says it's okay to be in this fandom like it's we like we love you too and you love us and that's so normal and it's it's a game that's excited and interested to be in that space yeah as opposed to one where it's still it's always a parasocial relationship with these game with a game like this with the fandom but it's a game that's so hyper aware Mm -hmm. of the fact that you are a player driving frisk and maybe papyrus and sans and asgore and whoever else don't temmy god i love temmy don't recognize (laughs) um don't recognize that frisk has a player behind them Hmm. flowey does and there's this constant ebb and flow and back and forth between the player and flowey both being very aware that flowey's speaking to you not to frisk not to the character that you're driving and having that ability i mean he is in a way speaking to the character the character is the one who has determination but apparently sans also is aware that's why he's so um he doesn't i can believe that anything because he's like yeah it doesn't matter (laughs) like this is gonna get reset over and over again it doesn't i see so that's why he's so like eh, whatever so aloof Aloof, yeah yeah. so it makes sense i and i i agree with everything that you're saying as a as a textbook i'm reading this i'm analyzing it and that's why i was able to realize that ending oh that's how i would have felt if i was an ingrained player oh this is how this would have worked really well if i was an ingrained player the problem is that it didn't catch me and i wish that it's it's kind of like and it's not to say that i'm like i oh i need to have some kind of challenge of combat like let's say the walking dead the 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 game that game is all about just talking with people the telltale game telltale games oh my god what a throwback yeah it's like dude you just hit me with the walking dead jump scare in 2023 (laughs) i haven't thought about a telltale game in I oh mean, my no, god I mean, can we just can, i'm sorry we need to can you put a can you can you table that thought at because what happened what was going telltale? on in the world that telltale games were the biggest fucking thing mm-hmm. it was so i i remember playing the borderlands telltale game and it it slapped <laughs> it whipped ass like the game was it was better than most of the dlc for borderlands 2 yeah and like uh from what, what i like, heard telltale the problem was this is this is going to be a a five minute short in between our other episodes (laughs) yeah so from what i've heard telltale there was two major problems one of them is very easy management this management was just not that oh in internally internally in the studio yeah they just kept on getting new projects and new things like without talking to like do we even have the head count to continue to make five different games at the same time and that's why they missed a bunch of deadlines that was number one and number two was that the engine that they were using was something that they just put together in like a month just to like put together a game <laughs> and then that game oh my God. happened to be the walking uh the wolf among us i think because it was one of their early games oh. that was just a like knockout success and so they started getting a bunch of like we want you to make a game and they just didn't have time to redevelop that engine so every single game they would come out with the engine would run slower and be crappier and that's why all telltale games look the same because they were using the same engine that they created in like a month like in a very short amount of time so each 
uh, successive game that they were making was taking longer and longer and longer to make uh, from what I've heard. That's pretty sad. I'm sorry to hear that because they were such a moment in time. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what that game was called. It's uh, one of my... It's not. I don't think it's Game of Thrones one. They did a uh, Back to the Future one. Yeah, they did. I uh, uh, one of one of a very very good friend of mine, Anthony. Shout out Anthony, is really into those werewolf games. He always recommends them to me. Uh, Haven't played. And actually, I'm looking at the Steam page for the definitive, the Telltale definitive series, The Walking Dead, which I guess is all four seasons, four hundred days. The Walking Dead, Michonne, 50 hours of gameplay across 23 episodes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's there's people streaming it live now. So wow. it's, uh, it's still going. It's still going, baby. It's still here. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, I, I guess for me, I was kind of coming at it. That's super interesting. I did not know all that about the <laughs> about the game engine and the mismanagement of the studio. It is a shame to, to hear that. But it, it was such a specific and unique time in I feel like in video games too, because on one hand, like when those games are coming out, I feel like there weren't nearly as many indie games as there are now. Yeah. That game came out 2010, maybe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I wonder if we even had Steam Greenlight at that point. We must have had Greenlight, but it was probably super early. Like it was like opt in beta. Mm-hmm. And um, they. Yeah, it was just like there weren't I just feel like there were less games. Maybe this is also maybe a separate side note, but I just feel like there's so many fucking games right now. And I don't know if it's just like everybody's just publishing shit that they've been working on since the pandemic in 2020. Oh, that could be. be. And so it's just like everybody has shit that's releasing or they push they push stuff off to dodge this release date or that release date. But I just feel like there's so many fucking games Today, in September 28th, tw- to the year of our Lord, 2023, that I it just feels impossible to keep up. I We're playing through these games. I don't I pay, I play almost nothing else. Mm-hmm. I, I play Magic the Gathering, which is a, a bigger problem and probably why I don't play other <laughs> games. But I play Magic the <laughs> Gathering and uh, I haven't picked up Final Fantasy 16. I haven't oh picked my. up. Wait, you? I thought you did. I thought you had. Oh no, that. I have it. I have it. Oh I'm like 20 God. hours in. I haven't finished it, I, and that, I haven't gone back to it. That for since... me is Tears of the Kingdom. I have. I played like two hours of it, and I haven't gone back to it because. Yeah. I'm like, ah. but that was that's a me problem. That's because I don't want to. I want to play it on a big screen while I'm sitting on my couch. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't blame play you. Handheld, so that's a me thing. I don't blame you. I I also have that game. My Switch died, which is my excuse, but. Mm. Mm-hmm. it's like i can solve the problem <laughs> and yeah i just feel like there's so many games and like telltale games came out to bring this all back around and i think this is relevant so it's not a full departure it's not a full no, full it, step it, away. it's got to be a complete departure so that way we can release this separately what are you t- i don't even know what you're talking we're in a time loop we're in a separate no no no, no. we're not in a time loop i can tie this in <laughs> okay telltale games represent a really unique period of time in video game storytelling Mm -hmm, yeah and that style of game was difficult to replicate for other studios it was very unique in its storytelling because it asked it basically here it's kind of a bad this is maybe a bad thing to say but it got normies into visual novels which (laughs) 
normies didn't know that they wanted to be individual novels until Telltale Games came out. And that being said, it was not a fucking pipeline to visual novels because I don't think the people who were binging episodes of uh who were binging episodes of um the walking dead the and then they had to play the telltale the, games yeah, okay yeah they are not playing paranormal site in 2023 yeah they are not playing uh 13 sentinels They're or playing, uh, uh the disco murder Elysium. of sonic the hedgehog or Dis- disco elysium even which is a crpg right mm. they so it didn't really make this pipeline but what it did was create the sense of oh i remember choose your own adventure stories yeah and this is this is that writ large like oh my god look at what you can do you can do this in a video game this is so cool and it's the same and this is exactly what's happening in undertale right (laughs) is we're we're showing the rpg player who's played earthbound who's played chrono trigger Mm -hmm. who's played super mario rpg who's played i mean at this point final fantasy 10 right who's played uh all of these these final fantasy 7 ocarina of time who's played these like seminal rpgs that have some of them have multiple endings some of them let you uh interact with the story in unique ways and undertale is maybe one of the first ones that come out of this space and say okay but the story is yours to write Mm -hmm. you are you decide by the way that you play this game Mm -hmm. what is going to happen yeah and that is just like it ha- how how an under uh, how a telltale game goes mm-hmm. where you are allowed to write the story as you see fit but the story is confined in a very strict yeah. box as opposed to a game like undertale that says if you spend more time with me if you think about more more about how i am operating as a game mm-hmm. as as a writer as a developer as toby fox has, has programmed me to operate i will yield more and more yeah it it it's it takes the metafictiveness of I'm a player making choices for characters in this game mm. and yep. it zooms out. It pulls you out of just the driver's seat of ha ha ha, I'm in my fun I'm in my fun Boulders Gate game mm. and I'm going to kill all of the goblins in the goblin camp instead of saving them or talking to them. Isn't this fun? And it, it pulls you out. Now I'm getting, yeah. now this is getting crazy. My I'm going to get into Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, this is getting, my, my, and the reason I brought The Walking Dead as a seminal work piece, because I do agree with practically everything you've said. And I do agree that Undertale, in a vacuum, as a, as a, it's kind of like what I would consider to be like Shakespeare or some older works where I'm like, you're trying I'm to, you're trying it, to, and I'm like, you're, you're I trying understand. To get me this. fucked up. I'm understanding this. I am analyzing this, and I get it. I'm just not really ingrained in this or entertained by this, and sure. that's what I, I feel kind of like with Undertale. And the reason, and the reason I bring up The Walking Dead is because The Walking Dead is essentially, practically, that whole piece of. You can choose to spare people. You can choose to do the X, Y, or Z. You can choose to do all these different things. And it's mostly pretty much a menu simulator. You're just choosing multiple choice, right? Like, it's pretty much kind of like the act of, of, of Okay. But in Walking Dead, I'm so into it. I am so, like, I feel like my decisions have weight. I feel like it's not wasting my time. It feels like even it's very meta- metagamey but even the top right uh top left showing up saying 
Clementine will remember that is such yeah. a like strong like feedback loop of oh my god what have I done and I never feel like I had that with Undertale it took way too long for Undertale to make me feel like oh my god what have I done like Papyrus it took me two hours later to finally be like oh I guess I shouldn't have killed Papyrus <laughs> and oh, it's two such a hours shame. of like I, boring of like i i like, feel like you really just like you you I found shot myself like the, in the foot yeah i really I, I feel like you found like the worst way to do it it's just such a shame like i i get what you're saying like i feel the same way when i do something in Baldur's gate and it's like carlac approves and it's like it's such a visceral like almost like like uh it's such a visceral form mm. of feedback mm. that it's almost it's almost uh breaking immersion yeah but that's I but, like that. I I'm okay with a right. game breaking immersion to give you that vers- visceral uh, right. feedback. And you mentioned how like Walking Dead is pretty structured in its different things. There's something that I think it's it's we're kind of like in the downturn of this. Five, another side. This is another tangent. Like five or five to ten years ago, every single game that was coming out was an open world game. It was like everything oh was boy. open world. Choose whatever you want. Do whatever oh you no. want. And all these different we're going, things. We're going crazy here. The problem with open world games is that it's it's fun in its own thing. But you know what? <laughs> Sometimes all you want to do have is a fracking very well designed world 1-1 in Mario. Sometimes you just want that very linear like very like oh my god this is so smart how they wrote this this is so smart how they designed this room a portal it's so smart how this puzzle was built and it's a super linear story and i think that as five to ten years ago calling a game linear was such a such a like insult, insult. and i don't agree with that anymore like calling a game linear is just describing it but a linear game can be just as good as an open-ended game absolutely and I Absolutely. feel like, and I think that the reason, the because I had this ending that was not satisfying, that was so boring, it does fight that. It does fight like, hey, Toby Fox, if your purpose was to not let, like, if your first playthrough of this game, you were supposed to get a neutral ending but not kill Papyrus, then make Papyrus incredibly difficult so that he captures you. Make it so that it's fucked. It's a, like a huge, difficult. Like you're gonna need to use items. You're gonna need to like be min maxing all your stuff to defeat them. Not only does it give a challenge for your genocide run, it also makes it so that hey, the, I need to teach you with a like hard stick, a slap on the on the wrist that hey, hey, some characters you're not gonna want to defeat. There's some people that if you want to experience this to its fullest potential. You're gonna not want to defeat some people unless you are very, very adamant about defeating them. Unless you're very determined. Unless you're very determined to defeat. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And because yeah. this game, Undertale, is so open ended and has so many endings, you need to come to the realization or understand that unless you put a rut on the ground, that pretty much like streamlines people into that first playthrough being a neutral ending that has a pretty positive experience, you're going to end up with people going in the opposite direction in an open ending game, getting lost and getting bored and not playing, not wanting to play the game again. And I know that my, my version of the game is not the most 
popular. It's not like the one that yeah. like most people. But I didn't try to kill Papyrus. Like it was, I didn't. I was just jumping and like not getting damaged. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, let me. I did some acts to him. I tried to talk with him. I tried to do X. Um, and I just was like, oh, okay. I guess maybe maybe he'll be like Undyne. Um, I didn't now. I didn't think about yeah. this while playing, but I was like, maybe it's like Undyne where after a few attacks something happens and and new options come to me for a t- act or whatever so so because there wasn't that visceral feedback of hey you're gonna need to do something different or you're gonna need to or like papyrus remembered that <laughs> something like something more visceral I, yeah that streamlined me into because like i said i was trying to play this if i was like playing it with the power of reset where i remembered my previous two playthroughs then yeah i would have saved papyrus because i would have been like oh i want to talk with sans i want to talk with undone but this playthrough since i was playing kind of like blindly trying to play blindly i was like well I'm assuming if I kill Papyrus, something different is going to happen. Something interesting is going to happen. And you know what? I've already experienced the keep Papyrus alive um, storyline. So how about I'm just going to kill him and see. That's that's right. got to be that's as easy of a choice to make through this game. You know, so I did. And then the ending result was pretty lackluster. So it, it has the open world problem of the game is gr- this now open world game okay. is great if you go if you follow the breadcrumbs but if the breadcrumbs aren't there like good enough then you're gonna have to be okay with some players going through this route that you did not intend and them not liking the game you know i i i do so, I, and i understand what you're saying i just honestly it's one of those it's it's hard for me to fully fully back i guess mm-hmm. your your perspective or your argument uh i think it's all salient and i think everything you said uh you know works and i think it makes sense my only position on it is that at the end of it all mm-hmm. at the end of all of this you still wanted to go back and play the game but the mm-hmm. only thing that was holding you back is that you can't hold down b to run and it's like not just hold down B to run. There's three things: hold down B to run, um, that uh, movement, like dodging and stuff like that. That type of movement was kind of annoying, or jumping was kind of annoying whenever you had the blue heart uh, portions, and the trial and error of of nature of some of the monsters act right. actions of monsters. And you, you distill it down, and it becomes. I feel like my time is being wasted. Right. You felt like the game wasn't respectful of your time. Yes. And because I felt like the game wasn't respectful of my time, I'm not going to respect it and give it my time. You know, like you're not going to respect my time. I'm not going to respect your time. Let's just, I think that's fair. This is a first date. It didn't work out. You're a lovely person, but I think it's not going to work out. Let's just, you know, (laughs) did it feel like you were doing homework? Um, I, after, yeah at some point i would say after i realized that there was absolutely nothing left for me after i killed papyrus uh so pretty much like maybe three hours in i felt like that last hour and a half was such a slog 
and right. I got some level of like excitement back when I saw Photoshop Flowey, and I was like, "Ooh, this is so weird!" And like, like very Cthulhu, like, uh, like very, very like disgusting and all, very Mother Three and all these things. And it kind of yeah. made me like, but at that point, it was too little, too late. It was like the "Stay Determined" in all caps at the end whenever you lose to Asgore. Um, I was like, man. If I was playing this normally, if or like if I had played this, the 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 normal route or whatever the we want to call it, then I bet this would have been a really cool thing. But as it is, I'm just trying to finish it. In fact, I actually was about to drop it. I the flowy battle once it like uh killed me. I thought this the story what was trying to do was say give you a final boss that was impossible to beat unless you were love pain and i was like yeah i don't i'm not about this once i realized i reset it once to see and i realized that it actually resets me a bit forward in the battle it doesn't reset you all the way back at the beginning right of the battle i was like okay the game actually wants me to follow this through it doesn't want it isn't this isn't a punishment this is actually part of the game um, yeah so, so I I I have I just I feel I feel disappointed mm -hmm. that you didn't have a better time with it. I know you do, and I, <laughs> I and I really feel sad that you didn't game. like it more. <laughs> I know, and I and I wanted you to enjoy it. I I'm just perplexed because I just I'm just thinking like like what's the intended first route through the game, right? Like what is what is probably the most typical way to play the game? So you're playing it. It's a It's like a it's like a kind of quirky, mm -hmm. thoughtful fun weird looking mother three earthbound kind of rpg it you know you knew it was gonna be quirky because that's how they sold it on the kickstarter and that's how toby fox sold it and you get into it and you're playing it and i i have to imagine that just by like i i when i tell you my buddy brian like i was like i called him and i was like i don't know i don't know how i feel about this it seems like whatever it just seems like it's just like trying too hard to be earthbound and I, I don't really get it. And he's like, he's like, okay, like how far are you in? I was like, I'm in the, I, I'm like almost through Snowden. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm like fucking around in Snowden. Like I have to do some stuff with, uh, with the uh, papyrus and sands. And he's like, okay. So like the, the big trick of the game, the magic trick is that you kill Toriel and you're so upset by what mm -hmm. you did. And you feel so bad about the choice you made in the game that you reset, but the game remembers and you have to deal with it and flowy taunts you. And you, you have this, like this aha moment mm -hmm. where this gotcha moment where you realize this game is operating on a different level. Mm -hmm. And so this sort of begins this feedback loop of what else is this game doing that I'm not aware of that it's aware of me doing when it, whether it's saving, like there's a number of times that the game auto saves and doesn't tell you. Yeah where you if you die in a fight but this last time they gave you a save point was a million rooms ago they will uh you 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 won't realize it but it, it happens a lot when you're in the core yeah and it'll reset you to an elevator yeah yeah and i i think and it'll that, skip like dialogue and everything right and it and it knows that you played it before mm -hmm. and it'll it'll move it happens a lot i did the metaton fight like four times mm -hmm. And it does, and it like literally lets you like walk up when you're like, you think that, 
you think that you could turn him around and flip the switch. And so you just get to flip the switch right, mm -hmm. right immediately when you reset that fight. And I'm trying to think about what the, what the intended first route through is I, because it's not genocide. I, I cannot express to you. It, it is the, the links that, he, so just to explain a genocide route really quickly <laughs> to do a genocide route, you have to kill every single yeah. monster in every area. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, and once you do that, the sound changes, the music changes, it gets super creepy. And all of the NPCs have text with you that didn't exist before. That's hyper aware of you killing every monster. When you walk through the first area where there's those three froggets that teach you about the game, mm -hmm. once you've killed every enemy in that area, they're gone. Yeah. They are no longer there for you to talk to. The Anytime you get into a random encounter, it just says no one came. Uh, the shops are empty except for Temi. Um, <laughs> weirdly Temi enough. Is I think, yeah, I, Temi is eternal and doesn't care. The uh, turtle won't talk to you mm. uh or has different texts with you and calls you like a villain calls you bullshit like all of these things mm. but you have to sit there and they call it the chara dance where you just have to just walk they just you just end up walking permanently into a wall and it looks like your sprites like doing a stupid dance because you just need to trigger these fights like you have to go so far out of your way you have to make the game so unbearably boring to play mm -hmm. to do a genocide run that there's no way that this could be on yeah. the table as your first run you have to be aware that this is something that you can do yeah that there that it's in conversation with the game and then the game shows you a pacifist run toriel teaches you you don't fight we don't fight here you never hit you you have to talk when you fight the dummy the first time mm -hmm. and if you don't kill the dummy the dummy that you fight in the in the junkyard has different text with you yeah. as well so the game's which, by the way i where... killed the dummy which i think is the only care uh dumb the first one the anime one yeah is apparently the only dummy you can kill that doesn't count against your pacifist uh yes uh, yes which is good because it's you you as an rpg player you do this you're just like oh it's a dummy let me just swing at it or whatever you know yeah so i like that i like that a lot i think i just yeah from my experience playing three neutral runs, <laughs> I I don't think those first two other runs I never realized that there was a the game was remembering those two other runs. Mm -hmm. This run I realized much later, like maybe like three hours in, four hours in. Um, it took me took me a while to to realize oh it actually is remembering some stuff that uh that i did in other uh battles and then i lost and i got all these things having had that experience i mean i i i'm gonna sound like a broken record but i think it's papyrus papyrus is your last is the king like let's say you you kill toriel you feel yes. bad you reset you get told blah blah blah. you realize oh something is crazy or you you play through the game and you're like oh i feel bad but i'm gonna i'm gonna play through it because because toriel is like an hour in so it's not trivial to just <laughs> reset the game you know yeah uh so so i think it's just as acceptable for a player to kill toriel and move on kill toriel restart get mocked move on and uh or spare her your first time and move on i think papyrus it's such a different accidental different like genocide run is so purposeful pacifist run is so pur purposeful 
and neutral right. run is not neutral run you're just going with the motions and i feel like that neutral run i'm surprised when i was reading online about the different endings i'm surprised that the one that i got doesn't really have a name for it it feels like mine should have been bad neutral versus good neutral you know like like it's I've, just like it, it just seems like killing papyrus if you're in a neutral run is an extremely reasonable thing to do yeah but the thing yeah it's super reasonable thing and to so do. it's weird to me that more people haven't run into yeah. your playthrough your yeah. ending and they've because i just feel i like guess i'm I think too much of a gamer i'm too much of a gamer yeah, didn't yes. get captured what the heck yeah you're way too much of a gamer that's it you're you're an epic gamer you had too many epic gamer moments <laughs> i had too many and... monster drinks while playing monster drinks and yeah Doritos. i mean it's toby fox didn't make this game with gaming chairs in mind yeah right? that's just it he just didn't know <laughs> i but... say while i sit on my crappy free gifted then you should have had then you should have lost that's it yeah um yeah i don't know i guess i guess it's just for me what what uh but what's on- confusing is that it just seems it, it just doesn't seem like you I, I just can't imagine that you like found like this like one in a million ending maybe it's not one in a million maybe a lot of people have gotten my ending but if you get my ending like i said you're done after an hour after yeah. defeating papyrus yeah. and if you're you're not gonna like if you're not a fan you're not gonna like it's so if i didn't have this podcast to talk to you about this I probably would have just told Lauren and just, I wouldn't have gone online and been like, yeah, this game is bad. I wouldn't have gone on Steam and done a thumbs right. down. Like, I think that it's just a, a just a, not a majority, but a sizable amount of people have killed Papyrus, play for another hour and get bored with the game and just never play again. And just, yeah, yeah. that was three hours of my life. That was like a movie long. That's, I'm good. I'm out and yeah that's like watching oppenheimer it's still boring yeah (laughs) oppen oh god let's not i let's not do movies um so unless it's advent children unless it's advent children we gotta play it we gotta play advent children we gotta play advent children by having a controller while watching it and acting like we're doing yeah i'll hold one while i uh Um, i'll hold i'll hold one while i watch it so i think so it might not be as as rare as we think of it maybe it is something that a lot of people go through but most people drop it after yeah maybe after. it's it may, maybe that's the case i i could also see uh wanting to go back and like figure out like hey is there's a, i could see social pressure mm-hmm. driving you to play the game again perhaps too. maybe when it was out coming out and everybody was screaming phrases. it was every, everything everybody was talking about but that's yeah. the problem right that whenever you have a game that is so popular and talking so positively there's always going to be a counterculture to of course of it of course so i think that i think that 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 would have played against people trying it again right like i'm playing it at this point in time where everybody is singing its praises i play it it's not for me i'm probably in that mindset and more likely to just join the counterculture of being like yeah it's not that good of a game versus just being like hmm i wonder why people like this so much let me give it another try like that only happens now right <laughs> like five years divorced from all the like craziness right i right. go back to it and be like hmm let me see maybe it was different maybe that's what i that's why i'm excited about playing metal gear solid 2 because i'm excited right. to like i didn't like that game when it came out but was i just 
part of like was i just not in the mind was i a hater was i a hater find out honestly that game was everybody was a hater in that game but that was is that the game with raiden oh boy (laughs) oh now i now i know what we're in for um okay okay i don't want to get too off track here so yeah Uh, so i mean i think keeping having papyrus and the fact that papyrus doesn't kill you i think is a good hint as to this is what the game is supposed to be the game is supposed to be that you're supposed to live you're supposed to get captured and you're supposed because after you get captured it's easier to do the mercy because at that point you you have less health i guess you can get a bunch of potions to raise your health again or whatever for the next time you fight him and i'm yeah correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure there's other options in your act this time around that like Uh, the second time you fight him if you fight him after you got captured so so there is some forward momentum like oh something like as a player something's different here yeah as a player i get killed i get captured instead of getting killed i'm like oh this was a i would have thought this is a scripted. scripted scripted death yeah I think I, I, you know, I mean, so we've been we've been here for an hour and twenty five minutes now, oh <laughs> and I don't think I'm I, I'm certainly not going to convince you to change your opinion, nor would I try. Really, mm-hmm. I, I do I do respect, and I I am sorry you didn't have a better yeah. time with it. I know you wanted to. I'll still have memories but, of those first two playthroughs. I I liked going on a date with Papyrus. Well, I in liked... five years we'll revisit the game, and we'll I'll make sure that you don't kill Papyrus. I'll tell you. I'll leave you a note. Oh, there'll be a letter on uh, an, a sealed envelope, like underneath something that you that you have to move in five years, and it'll be like, "Don't kill Papyrus." How but... do you? Okay, so five years down the road, Jason, you're trying to convince me to play this again, or Lauren, you're trying to convince her to play the game because she is one of those people that I said play the first hour or two, and if you're not into it, then you're probably not gonna be into it for the rest of the game. And she was not into it, and she just dropped it. She was like, yeah, right. I'm not endeared by these characters. I'm not, like, into this. Uh, so. it's, I, I, I guess if I were to try and elevate or pitch or sell the game, I, I don't think it needs to be done, but mm-hmm. if this... Okay, so my partner, Aislinn's never played it, and if I wanted to get her to play the game, I would say the characters are super quirky, they're very silly. Mm-hmm. I would say, for the most part, the game's kind of easy to play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't require a lot of technical skill. I mean, the bullet hell of it all, it, it can be difficult, but it also doesn't really ask you to be. It, it you you don't you move so slow that you can only be so dexterous. Yeah. With it, I would I would say that it's it's a little bit easier to play in terms of getting involved with the game. So there's not a huge, there's not like a huge difficulty curve like that. And I would just say like I really love the characters and the story. You know, it's for me that's. That's what kept me going was because I, I the first two hours of the game felt like homework to me. I was like, okay, it's quirky. I get it. It's very mid two thousands humor. It's like super self aware. Whatever. I'm like, I've you know, I've read House of Leaves. I've done the meta fictive stuff. I know what we're talking about here. But the way that I just I just fell in love with these characters, and I was like, I was like, oh, I get to date Papyrus. This is so stupid. Like this is so dumb. But then I was like going through the whole thing. I'm like. This is kind of like I love this guy. I love this stupid little skeleton mm-hmm. and his brother Sands and the like. There, there is certainly a narrative and a Ludo narrative magic trick where 
Undertale hides the fact that you're playing it until it pulls back the curtain and shows you that you and Flowey are really the same person, just sort of foiling and mirroring each other across across actual time. Flowey's been there for forever and now hates everything because they don't feel. And you can become like Flowey in that way. You can become empty. The beginning of a genocide run when you see when you first meet Flowey after killing Toriel and everything's dead in the ruins. Flowey says, oh, you're just like me. You're empty inside too. And the the real trick in the game is that all these characters are so stupid and silly and like you have no reason to really fall in love with them the way that that I did. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just, it just happens over time. And my experience with Undertale was, was such that when I finished the neutral ending, I spared everything and everyone. I had zero kills on my stats at the end of the game and I spared Asgore and I spared Flowey and the game ends in a neutral ending at that point and Sans calls you and says you made us you made a snowman very happy I still had my snowman <laughs> and uh and then he says I think if you were going to try it again I would talk to Papyrus and Undyne and see what they have to say and then I did that and I was like oh it'll just be like two quick conversations uh... they'll join me in battle i didn't realize it's a whole other ending of it's like a whole additional three hours of the game and and then you go to the true lab and i i just found like the whole like every time i turned a corner on the game it showed me that it could do something else it showed me that it had way more depth of narrative narrative experience and just just play right where the the true lab is so sad yeah. and so creepy at the same time the game does this really this really cool story building uh story building moment where every everything that's very scary is also very sad and everything that's very sad is also very silly and so it kind of it kind of rolls these aspects of the whole thing is pre- predicated on this on this the, the death of these children of um uh, uh asriel and um chara is it chara i think it's chara uh uh, of these children and what that means for the game and it's so sad but at the same time everything's so couched in this sweet humor and then there's these really dark scary moments of experimentation and death and all these things but then you know then we take responsibility for our actions and it does it has these moments where it's constantly layering these lessons that it's trying to show the characters developing through and learning from, despite them being silly, stupid, stupid, goofy kind of guys. And I I was shocked because usually something like that isn't, you know, I, I need a little bit more to relate to a character mm-hmm. to want to follow them more. And it it really didn't take much for me to recognize, like, oh my God, this game is is doing something that I wasn't expecting it to do, so it twisted my expectations. And then when I was ready for it, it still continued to surprise me with its charm. Mm. And I think that's that's really what sells me on Undertale is that it's so unbelievably charming when it wants to be, and it is so deeply disturbing when it wants to be. And it can hold both of those those realities side by side. And I yeah, yeah I I was just I was just really impressed with the way that Toby Fox and his team were able to 
create something that felt so visually unique and also extremely respectful of its origins of Earthbound, Mother 3, of Super Mario RPG, Dragon Quest, all of these things. And it was it was a game that I feel like is very much in reply and in conversation with with the 21st century gamer, hmm. with the person who's playing the game in the same way that Earthbound is in reply and in conversation with Dragon Quest. Super traditional RPG. It's like on rails. There are no decisions you're making. It you cast sizzle and it and it sizzles the enemy and you fight the stupid metal slimes and you do like you follow it, you know, you go have to go save this person, you have to go get this MacGuffin, and then I'll give you this power so that you can go save this other person so that you can go defeat this bad guy. And you do all these things to layer on your experience in Dragon Quest. And then Earthbound zooms out and says, this is all really stupid. What if we were what if we were slightly aware that the way that stories are told is too linear? And then Earthbound, Earthbound creates this somewhat nonlinear experience of gameplay and then layers on all this sort of like self-aware quirk and the self-aware humor onto it. And then you see Toby Fox do the same thing where he's like, I know that Earthbound was doing this in conversation with other RPGs in Japan at the time. What if I did that with other players, other developers, other gamers in 2015, in, in you know, in the 2020s, whatever, in the 2010s, the aughts, as it were. And Undertale is this game that is in conversation with the player who is by all by all means somebody who is very much inundated in a world where at, at the time where media was very, very cut and dry media was not willing to take a lot of risks i think in your games in your popular games in 2015 i i bet you if we looked up a list none of them are like really pushing the boundaries of what it means to game what it means to be somebody who's playing a video game how it works your 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 uh, film media i mean we we're in the midst of of like marvel cinematic universe stuff so very much no risk taking in movies and i think toby fox creates undertale and says i can give you a somewhat traditional experience but i will show you that if you can just stretch if you can just observe and try to play this game from a different angle i'll show you that you can have a completely unique experience you can do something that you've maybe never done before where you can play a traditional rpg and you can learn to love these characters just like i learned to love my my chronos and my robos and my frogs in chrono trigger i can learn to love sans and undyne and uh that little fish guy that follows you around and all and the dog that steals the legendary artifact and leaves dog residue in my inventory and all these like silly crazy things that just made me cackle and i can learn to love them just like i learned to love my my lucas and my robos and create this experience that is so undeniably fresh while at the same time so respectful of i think the the source material but also what it expects of the player because it does because at any point in time you can walk away from the game and you can say this is a video game just like your experience was and i'm done with it and it is achieved for me what it's going to achieve for me and i maybe didn't have the experience i wanted or maybe what was intentional but it at any given time in that in that reading 
I think you are still within the bounds of what the game was expecting you to do or could have expected you to do, which is you bounce off of it. I don't think there's a world in which Toby Fox designs Undertale and says, there, you're go. Everybody's going to get it. No artist makes art thinking that everybody's going to love it. You, you know, you we make art and you just make it despite the fact that some people aren't going to get it or they won't jive with it. But the the Ludo narrative creativity in Undertale couches your experience within its own within its own world, and that's the sort of really interesting metafit metafictive thing that Undertale is doing that really sort of drew me in is that however i deal with this game it's going to ask me to couch it within its experience you didn't like it you killed papyrus you had this thing well the game just says you you chose you you chose evil you chose negativity you're a villain you killed somebody who didn't need to be killed you're empty inside partially like 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 you have the determination to do these things but you chose not to and so your experience was worse for it now i'm not saying that that's a catch-all save for as a designer of games, as a developer, there are design rules that should be followed to create and foster experiences. But this is this is the trick of postmodern and metafictive yeah. uh, of metafictive writing, where it if it doesn't work, it, it's kind of you're you're still kind of in the space yeah. that it's that it's created. Yeah, and my problem with it was that I don't agree with it, right? <laughs> I and that's I totally and that's a very I reasonable. Have, take. I don't agree with with the game's take from. From a, if you killed Papyrus, we're gonna make the game boring for you now, like <laughs> you know. So, so it's like, okay, I guess, fuck me, I guess. Um, well, yeah, and and it's not, but it's not that we're going to make the game boring for you. You just killed a linchpin character in the story, and there's nothing that happens without Papyrus. That's fine. Is, is what we learned, right? Is that that if you kill Papyrus in a neutral run, <laughs> what ends up happening is papyrus drives so much of the story yeah. that you you don't even you maybe i i would not have guessed if you told mm-hmm. me last night when i was playing the game that killing papyrus would do that i'm like me neither the fuck does papyrus I thought do that I, was, what is he? I thought i was gonna go and fill with undyne maybe undyne is like oh where did where did papyrus go uh, uh do you know and that maybe you can lie or or say yes or no like do something and then there's a different story of like that's interesting that it's not as good maybe maybe but you still did everything with the with the doctor with the professor right yeah the professor yeah she she followed me and i did the metaton thing uh i mean the professor is kind of probably the weakest character for me um Mm -hmm. out of all of them so i even the spider character is such a cool design. She's only there for like five to ten minutes, but I loved her. I loved how her each of her so eyes awesome. blink separately. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is I love her like little dress. It's like, oh, she's adorable. I can't kill you. Come on. She's great. That's so um funny. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I kinda kinda feel like that was a good a good ending, a good uh ending thesis uh from you, Jason. So I don't I don't I don't think I want to Okay. I think it's a good point. You know, I, I, I think let's, let's use this as a sign. Let's wrap up. Yeah. I, I loved undertale. I don't think I'll play it again anytime soon, but I loved undertale and, uh, Fran, you, you wished, I wish I could have loved loved it. I wish I I had finished it the first time I played it. Cause if I had finished it the first time I played it, probably this playthrough would have been boring, but it would have been like, 
nobody plays the kill papyrus like nobody does that and right, versus this right. time where it was like no nah, pretty easy to just do it i will say i've never i haven't played any of delta rune and i do like the world maybe delta rune will be my type of game maybe delta rune will fix a lot of the issues that i'm having of like it's too slow or it's too x y and z and so maybe yeah, it's worth I... it to try it out I, I'm super interested in checking out Deltarune, if only to see where does Toby Fox go after Undertale. I think I think as a developer, it would be pretty... I think it would be reasonable to be intimidated mm-hmm. by Undertale's success mm-hmm. and having to follow I up. am surprised that he decided to make another game in the Undertale universe. Like, I... I yeah. I, it, it's such huge boots to, to, to fill, Bill. you know? Like, it feels yeah. like it should have been something like, I'm just going to do something completely different so that way it doesn't get compared as much. But I thought he should have made a, he should have made a Wordle, a Wordle clone next, just to really <laughs> palate cleanse, you know? Um, but anyway, I, I appreciate your, your, I appreciate what you added here, Fran, and I appreciate your takes. Uh, I know it's, it's, it, it's not easy to, talk about a game that you weren't in love with mm-hmm. but i thought you did so in a really respectful way and i and i appreciate that i honestly that, that, I, i'm, that I'm here. i like the fact that uh you felt kind of like that with not to this level that i did with ocarina of time but you really did feel like at least from our conversations that it wasn't like a watershed moment for you that it blew your mind it was like oh yeah this is this i understand it and it was fun yes uh, so i i think that's that's really the case so i'm glad for, that uh, for us it kind of got a uh, vice versa got flipped around for undertale yeah we got we're 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 the same person but different it's, exactly so you're we're not so we'll, different you and i spider-man <laughs> Fran, thank you so much for joining me today talking about Undertale. I always appreciate that we can have different opinions and still get to the meat and core of everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we can do so in a way that is, I think, respectful to the games and to each other. So thank you as always to my to my effervescent, bubbly co-host, Francisco Martin. Thank Fran, you. where can they find you on socials? Uh, you can find me on social at L underscore Fantastico on threads, not on the website formerly known as Twitter anymore. Well, I'm still on there, but I just don't use it ever. Uh, yeah. Or you can find me on Twitch. Uh, again, L underscore Fantastico. And if you find somebody on Discord named Fantastico, that's me. So say hi. Awesome. And you can find me at Conwobi, K-O-N-W-O-B-I on Twitter. I won't call it anything else. Uh, you can also, easiest place to find me would be on my blog, useyouritems.wordpress.com. You can also email either myself or Fran at useyouritems at gmail.com. And we'll probably, we'll probably have to spin up a Discord at some point. Yeah. But that'll, that honestly, with the way social media is going, that's kind of my preference anyway, yeah. where 
I don't want to use any of these things. I'm not I'm not making the threads. So <laughs> anyway, you can find me there. You can find Fran at his spots. We might we might do a Twitch sometime soon. But thank you so, so, so much for joining us. Have a great night. And don't forget to use your items. Yeah.